this is real life. Like we're going to all face challenges and obstacles and adversity at every stage of our lives. And it's how we deal with those moments that's going to make us stronger and develop us into the people that we want to become. And even at the age of eight and nine and 10, these kids are learning life skills. They might not realize it at the time, but how to deal with somebody who's sticking deli meat in their face or calling them names or making fun of them is just going to make them stronger later. It might be tough at that moment. It might not be fun to work through it. But if we teach our kids the skills that are going to help them long term, they're going to become better people for that opportunity, I'll say, instead of challenge, because it is an opportunity to grow. Because we're not just trying to teach our kids how to eat well. We're trying to teach them how to be compassionate human beings towards everything on earth, right? Not just other beings. Like we want them to respect buildings, right? Like I grew up in a time where swastikas were be, being spray painted on buildings all, all over the place. Like we want our children to be mindful of themselves, have values, have ethics and stand up and be compassionate people towards everything. So this is just a beautiful teaching experience. It, it sucks, but you know, how can we use this to build character? Hey, hey, YT community, welcome back to the show. I'm Jess, I'm your host, but I couldn't do it without my super stealth co-host, Coach Beach, and neither of us would be here if it wasn't for you guys. This is a 100% listener-supported podcast, and you are all a part of our mission to create a better world. Through sharing the show, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, making your pledge through Patreon, and simply showing up every week to listen in, we are collectively creating a momentum of purposeful living in this world. And it's been my experience that looking, finding, and living our purpose, which this show is all about, is many times brought about through intensity in our lives. And that purpose is always evolving. I know for BJ and I and what we've experienced since going all in with Yogi Triathlete has up-leveled us in ways we could have never imagined. I see the intensity of life as a purification process that allows for our highest potential to emerge. Our guests today are no strangers to this process is their catalyst to up-level their already quote-unquote healthy lifestyle and move into the service that they are providing to the world today was through a major and frankly, really scary wake-up call. Adam and Shoshana Chaim are the co-hosts of the popular Plant Trainers podcast, and they have a mission to increase the quality of lives being lived here on earth through nutrition and fitness. They are both public speakers and the authors of the Yummy Foods Activity Book for Kids. We love these guys. We do. We love you guys. And we're so grateful to be connecting with them today from Canada, which right now has a major buzz about the massive overhaul that their country's food guidelines are going, going through. And I'm sure we're going to get into all of that because personally, I would be fired up to see such changes in our country. But first, let's welcome these nutritional high vibers onto the show, Adam and Shoshana. We are psyched to have you guys with us today. Thank you. We're grateful. That's a beautiful intro. Beautiful intro. Thanks so much for having us, guys. And we're so excited to share everything with your YT community. Thank yeah. you. Cool. Well, you know what? I think for those maybe that aren't familiar with you guys, let's dive in because I think your story is super powerful in so many ways. But Adam, let's jump in with your experience. And one of the things that I, I love most, or what I, I would say speaks to BJ and I the most is that like you, we were healthy. We were going to the gym, we were eating, um, our chicken breast, we were doing all that stuff that we were supposed to do lean meats and everything. And I think that if we didn't shift, we probably would be telling a very similar story. So let's jump into that. If you're willing to just be generous and open and let us know what you went through. Yeah, of course. I mean, when I grew up as a kid, I was very fortunate to have everything I always wanted. I was able to participate in all kinds of sports and the opportunities were there. My parents were very good for me that way. And when I got into my teenage years, I got into fitness and started working out and eating the, the turkey breast and the chicken breast and because that was the right type of protein that I needed to build muscle. and Tuna from the can. Tuna from directly, <gasps> oh, from, directly the can. from the can. That's what yeah. BJ did. You're speaking my language. It was so Adam. disgusting. Yeah. That was the thing. That was the thing to do. And people thought I was crazy, but that was how I was building my muscle. And throughout high school, I did that into university and 
I felt great. I thought I looked great. I was playing all kinds of sports and eating what I thought was a really good, clean way of eating until that all changed. And that's, that's the difficulty here. When you're somebody who's not overweight and you don't have those physical symptoms or signs that something's wrong with you, you think everything's great. And on the inside, I felt good. But then there was a day that came when I was about 36, which is about nine years ago, 10 years ago, and I was sitting on the couch watching a football game and I had this really strong pain running across my chest into my left shoulder. And that seemed a little weird to me because I know the signs, the symptoms of a heart attack and I was too young to be having that happen to me. So, but it was a kind of pain that really got me nervous. So I went to the hospital to get it checked and they ended up sending me home saying nothing was wrong. They couldn't see anything. And so I just chalked it up as, you know, probably a muscle strain or something from a workout a few days before until I got a phone call from the doctor a couple of weeks later saying that I needed to come immediately into the office because they found something that they needed to discuss. And it turned out that they found a tumor on my kidney and they wanted to remove my kidney immediately. They said it was a rare type of tumor that can, they don't know much about it. And it's associated with this rare genetic disorder called VHL. And so I had to go for different opinions. VHL is when you get all little tumors down your central nervous system. So through your brain and your spine and nobody's lived past 40 with it. Yeah. So the doctor basically said, you're not going to survive past the age of 40. And Shush was pregnant with our second kid at the time. So I was devastated, right? Like all I could think about was how is Shush going to raise two kids with me not being around? And when you find that sense of urgency and that motivation, you need to figure out what to do next. And to me, taking out my kidney without knowing what it really was, didn't seem like the right option for me. And so I found a doctor who was willing to biopsy the tumor and see if it was cancerous and if it was in fact necessary to remove, which thankfully it wasn't. And we didn't have to take it out. But what that did was it led me to looking into what this VHL was, because then he said, this is what you got, you better check it out. And like Shush just said, it deposits tumors along your central nervous system, overtakes your body. And the easiest way for me to figure out if I had that was to go to an ophthalmologist and do a retinal exam because the eye is a great window into the body's health. And so I found one who did the retinal exam and She looked at the image and the arteries in my eyes were very thin and narrowing and the blood flow was not going through to the center of the eye very well. And she looked at me and she said, I don't see any signs of tumors being deposited. I don't think you have VHL. You should still go for genetic blood testing, but you have the beginning stages of heart disease. And I'm 36 years old with now the beginning stages of heart disease, but I was fit and I was healthy and I was doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing. And heart disease is an old person's, right. you know, it should be happening to me. Disease. And so I started to do a bunch of research and I came across the plant-based diet and I came across Dr. Esselstyn's work and I watched Forks Over Knives and I came across Brendan Brazier, Canadian champion, Ironman triathlete who did it all plant-based. And I know I was looking from a health perspective for the solution, but the fitness aspect and the performance aspect of the plant-based lifestyle really pulled me in. And I think that's what really got me started. And so I looked at Shush one night and I said, tomorrow morning, I'm plant-based. And I said, what's (laughs) plant-based? What does that mean? How does this affect me? How are we only gonna (laughs) eat salad for the rest of our lives? Right. She had no idea what that meant. He's like vegan. And I'm like, is that some kind of vegetarian? Like, I didn't even know what vegan meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's so telling about how extreme this change was for you guys. And, um, you know, make no mistake, like when Beej and I went vegan, it was from reading and watching those guys, Brendan and um, Scott and Rich and, you know, 
really from a perspective of like, Hey, wait a minute, these guys are not only fit and healthy, but like they're, they're recovering well and they're getting, so we definitely shifted into it for fitness, which for me, it's like, it's almost like yoga. It's like, I don't care what makes you roll out that mat. I don't, I don't care what it is, just roll it out and get on it. You know, like it doesn't matter. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of, of like coming into it for reasons of, you know, even vanity mm-hmm. of like, I want to look oh, better. I was totally on for vanity. That, there you go. How, I love that's it. That's how he got me. Yeah. But, but let's, let's, yeah. That's but how let's, I got onto meditation. Cause I read this thing that it reverses aging. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in, I'm in. But she wasn't in because yeah, at the beginning in. it was okay, I'm going plant-based. I'm not eating anything that comes from animals anymore. And I want to see how this is going to affect my potential heart disease and my lifestyle. And she was like, yeah, whatever. And she'd put the meat in front of me at dinner. Okay. By this time I had just given birth to our second child. So you're pregnant when this is happening. I I was pregnant when this whole thing was happening. And I kept saying my daughter will either deal really well with stress or be a huge stress ball because I was an emotional wreck. I I was throwing tantrums like a two-year-old in a grocery store throughout the whole pregnancy. Were you a little bit like, what, like, was there the why like why me yeah. like why us were you of course like what did i do that? wrong yeah what did i do wrong to have this pain to give me the beginning of heart disease when i was keeping myself healthy what did she do wrong when she's being this awesome mom taking care of this one kid ready for another like we didn't deserve this we were right. good people i went straight into anxiety so for me it was all the how how am I going to live without him? How am I going to raise the children? How come it, I guess like a, yeah, why, why me? Why do I have to lose the love of my life? But like, it was more of a, how am I going to function as a human without my other half? How am I going to give our kids everything that they're supposed to have? It it was just like a lot of, a lot for me, it was all anxiety driven. It was a lot of how. Yeah. And it's so overwhelming when something like that comes into your life and all of a sudden you're thrusted into the future, right? Because you've got people saying like, oh, by the way, he's not going to live until, you know, he's not going to live past 40. And so it's almost like you you can't help but move into the future. And that's so, uh, such fertile ground for anxiety to brew because how can you cope with that? You can't cope with that because all of it, it's all in the mind because it's not happening right now. You don't really know what's going to happen. But to think about the worst case scenarios and how those are going to play out and not have the answers is going to create a massive amount of anxiety. And as you know now, like not just in your thought process, but in your cellular makeup, you know, I mean, it's Mm going to change you on a cellular level. So I can only imagine and, and not having the knowledge that you have now, which is really, I think, such a gift that you're giving the world. You didn't have the knowledge that you have now. You were thrusted into it. Yeah, we didn't have the plant-based knowledge, but also when I did yoga before, it was all for exercise purposes. So yeah, I totally. didn't have a mindful, I didn't have a mindful perspective. I didn't have a, a, a live in the now perspective. I didn't have a, it's it's 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react perspective. I was just a mess. I was a wreck. Um, I think that everything that I've learned and everything that I encompass now and everything that I pass on to to the people that I work with, if I had that knowledge and the situation were happening now, I would be a very different person responding to it. I I wouldn't be okay with it, but I would be a very different okay. Are you, can you look back now like with gratitude because of the depths of what you're able to offer the people that you work with? (laughs) I really, so I'm usually so honest with this question and it's really sexy to say, yes, I would not change a thing because I would not be here now. No, I'm really not. Okay. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm so glad that we're here, but what I went through and what, what I continued to go through and what still comes up for me now is still incredibly difficult to live with. I I wish that I would be where I am today in terms of my knowledge and passing it on and educating other people. I just wish that that wouldn't have been our story. Mm. And, and, and I'm okay saying that. Yeah, no, I I love that. I think it's really honest and it's, and it's very real. And like, 
you said, I mean, it's, in, but I think before we turn the mics on, like it's still a work in prog- progress. So maybe five, 10, 20, 30 years from now, you might just get to the point where you're like, oh man, that was such a freaking huge gift. But it's okay not to be there right now. And it's okay never to get there. Yeah, the expectations are what's going to keep causing that. Like, you need to get there. You don't need to get there. You don't. Yeah, because everybody else seems to be there. Whether they're (laughs) there or not, they're saying they're there. And, you know, so, but I'm I'm not there, but I'm okay not being there. Well, and I think kind of what we're grazing over for our listeners is you, you experience PTSD from this from this experience. And so let's dive into that. Like, when did that start to show up? Because we know that this was a very trauma ridden time for you, very anxious time for you. But as Adam's health is starting to get better, when is the the post trauma starting to show up for you? So the lines are kind of blurry because when I had my son, I had some postpartum depression come along with that. He was five weeks early. I wasn't, not that we're ever ready. I wasn't ready for it. Um, you know, hormonally, it was it was difficult because my body needed to do things that it wasn't ready to do because he was so early. Um, a type personality, all of those things. So I fell into that postpartum depression, and then Jordan was born two weeks short of his second birthday. So. I still, I think after two years, you're still pretty hormonal from your first child. And then boom, I had a second child. And then this was literally nine months of, it's probably malignant. Okay. It's benign, but okay. He probably has VHL. So he'll be at the birth, but he won't be at the fourth birthday. And you know, like all of these different things that were happening. And then I went back to work. So we're lucky in Canada. I believe it's 18 months now, but at the time it was 12 months that we get mat leave. So I was off for 12 months and then I went back to work and I was working far from home and I was commuting and there was all these things happening. So, and, and that's hard too. So there's, there's these lines, but you know, there was definitely a time where it, it was bad when I couldn't get out of bed. I was maybe going to work and coming home, going straight back upstairs, closing the door, sitting in the dark, crying, sleeping, just gazing, coming down, pushing food around my plate, losing 20 pounds, like, you know, uh, wishing things for myself that no mother should wish. It just kind of, it was dark. It was dark. I think my daughter was about a year and a half. So it was about two and a half years after everything where it finally caught up to me because I guess I was managing when I wasn't working, I was managing. Um, But then when I went back into, let's say a real life, I, I couldn't, I couldn't manage anymore. And I think that's when we see that things are wrong, when you can't deal with everyday tasks. Was your daughter picking up on any of this at that time? I don't think the kids picked up on anything. And I was trying to be Mr. Mom basically while she was under the covers hiding in the room. So this Uh, instantly flipped. Like it's like, Yep. Yeah, this is so interesting. And I and BJ and I can relate to this dark and light um, in our own experience, in our own story, like when BJ hit his rock bottom. And as he was hitting his rock bottom, I was elevating higher and higher. And Adam, here you are now. Let's let's talk about a little bit about the results that you started to have. So now you're regaining your health and Shoshana is l- literally losing her health. Yeah, I'm finding out that a year later from the first retinal exam, when I go back for a second after being whole food plant-based for the year, that the results show that my arteries are widening and the blood flow has increased and the arteries are darker red. And the ophthalmologist looks at me and says, what did you do? What medication are you on? And I'm on none. And I had also been going for three-month checkups on the tumor to make sure it's not growing or spreading. And after the year, they said, oh, it's great. It looks the same. There's been no change. Keep doing whatever you're doing. And then when I go back six months later, they said, oh, something weird is really happening. It's starting to shrink <laughs> instead of grow. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Like, what other doctor What are, are you seeing? doing? Yeah. yeah. What have you been doing? And oh, all so I really awesome. did was change my nutrition. I changed my fitness a little bit. I moved away from the team sports and moved into triathlon. And I think that that took away a lot of certain stressors that I had because I was playing team sports. Um, But I was getting healthier. I was feeling great. And then 
yeah, she was going in the other direction and we kind of flopped roles a little bit. Did so, you did you have any feelings of of trying to save her or Shoshana, you trying to save him with their with their feelings of like I need to step I need to do everything possible to save them? Or was it, you know, they need to have this experience? Like they're so dark. I didn't even know what to do. Like, mm. I honestly, I, sh I thought she was going through a phase. She'll get through it. Just let her do her thing. I'll do everything that I can that she usually did. Support her as much as possible. And we'll get through it together. I didn't have a solution. I didn't know what the problem was. I didn't he, know he what didn't PTSD was he at the time. didn't have all the information either. No, for sure not. She like, was hiding a ton of information from me. Oh, I well, didn't actually yeah. know. It's like you keep it to yourself. So I don't think we really ever know. I mean, I, I, from my own experience, I always say like nobody knows how crazy I was except for me. Nobody knows how crazy I was or how in, like just mean I could be other than me or how much I hated myself more than me. Nobody knows that. And they still don't know that. I don't think I could even articulate it to BJ. And, and it's you, really you, hard. You think so selfishly and then you yeah. feel so selfish for your thoughts. Oh, Jesus, and yeah. It's you brutal. just want you want out, but you don't want to ruin everybody else's life. So somehow you stick in with it. Right. And it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you did stick <laughs> in with it. So, um, so Adam, just to be clear, you know, you, you didn't have the surgery and you didn't go on medication and you, and the only treatment that you really received was moving into a sport where you could really concentrate on you and you changed your diet. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and and I don't know that that's the solution for everybody, but I know it worked for me and I'm story. not a doctor, yeah. so I wouldn't tell people to avoid the medication and do what I did. But that's my story. That's what happened to me. That worked for me. And you asked before if you're grateful for having to go through that situation and would you change it? I'm happy I went through all that. And I'm happy, even though at the time, I was not so happy with the radiologist who saw that tumor because he found it by accident and he contacted my doctor because he knew my name and I was not happy at the time. But looking back on the whole thing, to see where I am now, I'm blown away at the progress and the change and just the fact that I'm here right now because of that guy is amazing, mind-blowing. But I'm not grateful for the fact that she had to go through all she went to because of what I went through. Right. So I'm happy it happened I, to I, me. I I'm not happy I dragged her down with me, you know? <laughs> because I think that our stories ended up a little bit different, right? Like I, I'm, I'm still dealing with, and, and I say I'm thriving with PTSD. Like right now I'm doing, I'm doing great. You know, two years ago I had another bout of it. Um, but you know, his his tumor shrinking is his tumor shrinking his his arteries opening and staying open or, or his arteries opening and staying opening what's happening in my head sometimes you know that's that could haunt me for i don't know you know but at the same time we had had a friend who just a couple of years before had a heart attack playing floor hockey left a wife and two children behind um because of a heart attack so even though if he never knew about the tumor his life would not have been affected one way or another, but no, but knowing about, or I mean, they did, they did say that it could turn, but if he would have known just about his arteries, he would have taken the same action because of what had happened with Dan and he would have taken the same action and it would have probably had a lesser effect on us emotionally, but still a powerful enough for us to be here today and making this change. Yeah. That's what I think. But Maybe. who knows? And so, um, you know, I, I, it's easy for me to sit here with a very objective view from a, you know, a, a 10,000 foot view looking at this, um, the perfection of your divine plan and what I would consider to be a soul contract that there is so much love between the two of you that at a time before you came here on earth, Adam said, you know what? I love you so much that I'm going to do this for you for ultimate, for your ultimate healing. And you said, I love you so much that I'm going to walk the darkness for you. And, uh, and so I can see it from this gorgeous perspective because 
because I'm not in I'm not in your human experience. I do trust that there is perfection in the plan and that the contrast in our life can be so incredibly intense and I and I have walked those moments where I've literally prayed to be taken off this earth. Just take me now, please. That it's, you know, after those prayers would be just give me another breath so I can breathe it because it was the only thing I could do in those moments. And so, um, I haven't lived your experience, but I've lived my own experience. And so to, to my unique journey, I can relate to the darkness. And I think BJ can too. And Adam, you can too, from, from, from what you experienced with your physical health and the mental health is, um, is really such a tough one because it's not something that you can go in and the doctor puts a stethoscope on and says, okay, this is, here's the data. You know, it's really, it's a, it's a formless experience that your intellect tries to understand, but it can't. It can mani- manifest physically. Oh, which is 100%. Yeah, like, yeah. Because the work that you're doing, I know this is freaking heavy, right? <laughs> what the hell? You, it's you, like you literally, you literally, like I was going to wait till you turn the mics off, but you <laughs> literally have changed my perspective. I understand that there is a purpose for my illness right now. That the purpose for my, like when, when my kid hurts themselves, I'm like, oh, I wish that scratch was on me so that they didn't have to cry, right? But like, I've literally taken Adam's scratch and clearly I took it for a purpose because somehow somebody believes that I'm able to deal with this well enough and... I literally sold sold my mental health for his physical health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's love. That's yeah. unconditional love. Yeah. And you know it's it, this is coming up right now so I'm going to share it. Uh, Beej and I were having a conversation with our meditation teacher a couple months ago and so we were talking about kind of the energy that moves through us and you know we use words like releasing, I'm releasing or I'm lifting layers or whatever it is and I said to him I said what, what, what happens to that energy? What happens to that darkness that moves through me? Like, does it go to the neighbor? Like, where does it go? <laughs> he said, it's once it moves through you, it transmutes back to love. That's awesome. Yeah. So keep, keep that in your, in your heart that you're just, it's just being transmuted <laughs> back to love. I know it's not even nine in the morning. I've almost cried like three times. <laughs> okay. Whew. Wait, wait, what, what else were we going to talk yeah, about? What? <laughs> Drop the mic. Health people. Guard, what? Uh, health guard. Guard. I know what the guidelines. Let's get back to the tuna and the turkey. Oh my God. Beans in a can. I was the one mm. grossing out the people in the corporate office during the tuna. But it, yeah. it was Just... so bizarre to me because you didn't like fish, but you would eat tuna but, straight but out the of the game. Me too. The and protein see, and the disgusting. fitness was had it a higher higher ten priority. years to get him to eat fish. And then like three years later, it was like, oh my God, that's like a, that's a mirror image, mirror image of our relationship. Because again, I'm pushing fish on them because I'm thinking it's healthy. Tuna's not a fish. Tuna's not a fish. Right. Right. Oh my God. Shame, shame. Okay. So, um, wonderfully through all your darkness and your gauntlet walk, which you're still doing, you did eventually get on board with a more high, va- high vibrational diet. And I think that this multivore, as our friend Victoria Moran would say, I know you guys know her as well. You've been on her podcast. She calls it the multivore home. And she has a, a great story about how when she met her husband and they were very much a multivore home where not everybody's on board. So yeah. how did you navigate that? Like, Adam, you were all in. You were like, I have to give this 100%. And so how did that transition go? And, and Shush, when did, can I call you that? Cause I love that. Yeah. Shush. Yeah. Do it up Shush. in the fridge, <laughs> separating. The meat <laughs> no the oh okay, my God. I love that. We did. That's true. But before we even made that change, we had to change our, the way we ate even earlier because our son had really bad eczema and it was recommended to us that we put him on a gluten-free diet. So we take gluten out of his diet and I thought at that time, okay, that's interesting. Maybe I'll try to do that with him so he's not doing it by himself. So part of the house was eating gluten-free. Part of the house wasn't. 
And then all of a sudden I turned to Shash and I said, I'm no longer eating animal products. So now we have the gluten-free section, we have the only plant section, and then we have the everything else section. So our house was divided for quite a while. And I had spent the first 10 years of our relationship pretending that I couldn't cook so that he would have to do all the cooking. But then all of a sudden (laughs) I was the one off, right? I was home with the baby. So of course it was you know, part of my job to, to step up in the kitchen. So I was literally learning how to like cook things. The first time I made butternut squash soup, I think it was still raw. It was disgusting. Like, <laughs> so I was still learning how to cook. So all of a sudden I have to learn how to cook gluten-free. And then all of a sudden I have to learn how to sustain him without providing any animal products when just like three weeks before he's like, shush, why are we eating so many vegetarian meals? Can you like put more meat on my plate, please? <laughs> and like all of a sudden, and then it's like no meat. And I'm like, okay, look, it's you're going to have fish once a week because maybe that's not really an animal. And you're going to have chicken on Fridays because we're Jewish and that's what we do. And that gives me some time to figure out seven meals. I only need to figure out five for now. Here's the thing. I was a big meat and potato guy. I ate a lot of meat. And all of a sudden overnight, I said no more. That's a huge change if you really think about it. And for her to be able to adapt to that so quickly, that wasn't really reasonable of me to even think that was possible. So I ended up doing my own thing for a while. Not completely. It's not like I didn't support him. I was like, okay, I'm like, here's the chicken on Friday. And he was like, cut it, put it to his lips, said no, sorry. But we always had a lot of potatoes and rice and and vegetables on the table like that was part of our lifestyle already and then he would just make his own dish as his main course but he would share all the sides with us and it kind of I guess you know when you look at the synchronicity or whatever you want to call it um we had been doing we because he was getting into this plant-based lifestyle he found Doug McNish do you know Doug McNish no I haven't heard of him he used to be a raw food chef now he's a vegan food chef here in Toronto. Um, and he was looking for some recipe testers for his new cookbook. So Adam was like, sure, we'll test the recipes. So it was fun to like be part of this bigger project. So he was making all the recipes and I was kind of helping out. So that helped get our feet wet and and my, my feet wet also. So it kind of just worked really nicely. So I learned like how not overwhelming it had to be once you actually sat down to start doing it. It took you about, was it about a six month process until you kind of got on board? Yeah, it was about six to eight months. I think it was like October when Adam went and then I was down to like a piece of pizza and an egg sandwich once a week, um, you know, by like six months later. So I think like by May, June, I was, I was all in. And then when did the kids follow? Because what was that like for you? I mean, you're navigating so much. I mean, I think we all clearly, as clear as we can understand what you were going through and the weight that you were carrying during this time. And now you've got these little ones, not all the knowledge that you have now, no evidence that this plant-based diet is going to benefit them as their brain is developing and their muscles are developing and their bones are growing. So what was that experience like for both of you? Well, I think six years ago, even the the knowledge that we had was very little compared to now. And even the amount of information that's publicized now that's actually available about kids on a plant based diet and the research behind the benefits and the detriments of animal products to our health was much harder to find. And the people around us thought we were kind of crazy. And I'd say we lost some friends over it, sadly. Um, Our social life changed dramatically. But our kids really, we we didn't take it away from them overnight either. And it was a slow process. But I was scared to. He wasn't. I think he understood more. Like we had grown up with the food guides that we had. We'd grown up certain ways. We, you know, thinking you need milk for calcium and you need, you know, meat for strong bones and, and all or muscles and, and all of these things. And we were personal trainers already. So, you know, you, you already have this idea of like protein to build muscle. And I was like, am I going to, it's okay to screw myself up, but I don't want to screw them up. I don't want their brains not to develop because they're not getting enough fat or, or what have you. So for me, it was really like, okay, there must be a reason for kids to be plant-based also, if it makes sense for adults and it's reversing all these diseases, clearly it's going to prevent, you know, or be the best chance at prevention. 
but I needed to get education on it first. I needed to really understand what do we need for a makeup for a child's um, for a child's development, and is it as fat heavy and as calorie heavy as it is, and where should those calories be coming from, and will they? turn into half human, half, I don't know, the scorpions, <laughs> I mean, if, even, if I take the meat away. <laughs> even just our parents saying that, how could you not give your kids milk to build their oh, bones during yeah. developmental stages? And their doctor saying similar things. And we're thinking, well, you know what? We see what it's done to me. And we are finding the research out there that there are benefits to kids growing up this way. And we decided that it was in our best interest and our kids' best interest to move in this direction. And over time, we eliminated animal products from their lifestyle. And I think it's been five five years now. About since... five years. So so it took about another like two years for them because yeah. I didn't do it right away. We stopped making meat in the house. But like if they were to go out for dinner and our parents were with us and our parents were eating fish, like the kids would have bites of their fish. Or I was if they were at birthday parties and there was milk in in, like if there were cheesies there, I wouldn't keep them from eating the cheesies. Or even if there was egg in or the cupcake egg. or I, something. I was still making them eggs at home, actually. I was buying organic eggs and I was still making them eggs just because I didn't know what else to feed them. Because what because when we made that switch to gluten-free, and this is a whole other podcast, when we made that switch to gluten-free, my son was allergic. So I took everything away from him except for apples and peanut butter because I had no idea what gluten was or where it was. So because I took everything away from him for so long, all these sauces and textures and flavors, I had created picky children and I had to build that back up again. Ooh, yeah. So I didn't like, it wasn't like, here's chickpeas, eat them. Like they were like, no, that's foreign to me. I'm a picky eater now. I'm not eating that. So I needed to create and instill you know, this whole new way of, of eating again and get them to be less picky and, and, you know, trust me and try things a million different ways. So like I said, a whole other podcast, but, you know, so I couldn't take away what I couldn't replace with plant-based yet. I kind of had to figure it out for myself. And if I were to do it again now, I would have done it so much faster and different, but that was part of my journey. And that helps me understand where other parents are at as well. Um, but they, they, they're thriving. I mean, our son came in first in areas for high jump last year, sixth in the region. He's, he's the one of five kids on, on the junior volleyball team in grade five. And he's a first, he's a first sub. Um, you know, he's, he's not missing anything. No, they're doing really well. And here's the thing in schools in Canada, we teach the Canadian food guide and previously the food guide was divided into food groups and there was nothing big on veggies and there was a lot of meat and a lot of dairy because of course it was sponsored by the meat and dairy farmers of Canada. And as you know, as you alluded to at the beginning, Canada's food guide has made a shift to more of a plant-centric, plant-based uh, profile and it's promoting to drink more water, move your body more and eat more plants and they've removed the milk and dairy food groups from that guide. and. This is huge. This is and huge. Yeah, what's the resistance? Is there any resistance like with the oh, There's some really unhappy farmers. There's a lot of pissed off people. Well, I just I I mean, our government is so tied into meat and dairy. I mean, we are literally buying billions, we have billions of dollars of cheese in storage. And the yeah. government is buying because the dairy because um, the dairy market is dying. It really is. I mean, it's plummeting. And so, you know, there's, you know, you guys know Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary, and he's been posting a lot about like, how can we support these dairy farmers to switch over to more plant, you know, to, to keep their business alive with a new focus. So, I mean, do you guys know any info, the backstory about how your government has is do has navigating this because a huge amount of money is tied into our government and this this you know promotion of frankly poisonous foods so i don't know the whole backstory but i know there are a lot of amazing lawyers working for animal justice who have been on top of the canadian government for quite a while pushing to change these laws and bylaws and change the canada's food guide and they finally made some headway and they've done a fantastic job at doing that. And I brought this all up because when I teach my students in high school about nutrition, 
over the last 20 years, I've been teaching a little bit about the food guide. 10 years ago, when this all happened to me, eight years ago, it shifted to me saying, here's Canada's food guide, read it if you want, but let's talk about <laughs> real nutrition. And I would go into my story and share my experience. And people were like, they didn't know anything about a plant-based diet or lifestyle. This was all foreign to them. And I had parents coming up to me saying, what are you doing to my kid? My kid does not want to eat dairy now. And that's not cool. And I never pushed anything on them. I just informed them about what's out there and the benefits and the problems that those foods can bring to your body. And now with this shift in the food guide, it's the year of plant-based lifestyle. 2019 has already been labeled to be the plant-based lifestyle year. And there's going to be a huge shift now in the products that we see, the restaurants and what they're serving. We're already seeing it. The availability of plant-based foods are so much more now than they were eight years ago. Like things have really, really shifted. And now kids at a younger age, our kids age, he's 10, she's eight. They're going to start to see that in their classrooms. It's no longer do an assignment about these four food groups. It's going to be more focused on eating plants and or, moving your body. Or Russell and, and Jordan only eat alternatives. Like right. it's not real food. Right. So terminology is <laughs> changing and now the acceptance is going to be more available, which means that they're going to feel a lot more comfortable because I know that our kids have been in positions of, I don't want to say bullying, but they've been in uncomfortable, yeah. uncomfortable positions because of their food choices. How do you support them through that? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this that do have vegan children. And we actually have a 11 year old athlete on our team mm -hmm. that's vegan. And she talks she turned about her family. Vegan. Yeah, she turned a whole family. <laughs> the girl's amazing. But she has talked to us about how kids at school tease her. And perhaps there's parents listening now that would like to make the shift, but they're they want to protect their children from these kinds of things. Like how have you supported your kids through this? So I, I think it's not about, it's not about protection. It's about empowering. And I'm a fighter. I was a martial artist for over six years. Um, I still try out every martial arts place near us and nothing kind of makes it feel like home. So I haven't, um, you know, done anything with that lately, but in, in my heart, like I just want to run into that school and like find the parent's house and like leave a bag of cat poop on the doorstep. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> those are the kinds of things that I want to do. Like I want to protect my son. I, I want to, you know, but what we basically did is so, so somebody was taking their deli meat out of their sandwich every day and putting it in his face and saying, meat, 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 meat. And what I kind of did is I broke it down and I said, okay, you're nine years old and mommy's not going to be able to fight every fight for you. Daddy's not going to be able to fight every fight for you. So let's make a list of what we can do about this. And first on the list was tell him to stop, right? You know, I'm pretty sure he did, but I'm like, you need to, don't just say stop. You need to, you know, how do you say stop? How do you look somebody in the eyes? And then, you know, give it a day. And if that doesn't work, what can you do the next day? The next day is you go to the teacher and you talk to the teacher about it, or you go to the administrator and you talk to the administrator about it. And if nothing changes over a couple of days of this happening, then it's okay for me to go in and write an email. Get that black with, belt on. With, with, yeah, with, <laughs> you know, with calmness, you go in and you, you know, you make it known that this is what's happening and ask what, if they knew about it and what, what actions they're going to take. It's, you know, it's not their fault that it's happening. It might be their fault that it's continuing, but what, what actions can they take and then hold them to it. So, Give yourself a couple of days to cool off, but empower your child and teach your child how to deal with it so that they can actually deal with other situations as life runs by them. Well, that's it. This is this is real life. Like we're going to all face challenges and obstacles and adversity at every stage of our lives. And it's how we deal with those moments that's going to make us stronger and develop us into the people that we want to become. And even at the age of eight and nine and 10, these kids are learning life skills. They might not realize it at the time, but how to deal with somebody who's sticking deli meat in their face or calling them names or making fun of them is just going to make them stronger later. It might be tough at that moment. It might not be fun to work through it. But if we teach our kids the skills that are going to help them long term, 
they're going to become better people for that opportunity, I'll say, instead of challenge, because it is an opportunity to grow. Because we're not just trying to teach our kids how to eat well, we're trying to teach them how to be compassionate human beings towards everything on earth, right? Not just other beings, like we want them to respect buildings, right? Like I grew up in a time where swastikas were being spray painted on buildings all, all over the place. Like we want our children to be mindful of themselves, have values, have ethics, and stand up and be compassionate people towards everything. So this is just a beautiful teaching experience. It it sucks, but you know, how can we use this to build character? Exactly. You've got to have you kind of have to have the suck to have the growth. You really do. And do you have do you have so we've talked about like the the meat in the face, but have there been good experiences where other their other kids, their friends maybe have maybe change their lifestyle or food choices based on experiences with your children? So our daughter has a friend who was vegetarian. The mother was mostly vegan and the dad was whatever, um, um, omnivorous. And the daughter has, you know, in the past year and a half become full-fledged vegan because she had the support. It wasn't just her. So it was a two girls together. She's like, well, if Jordan can do it, then I can do it too. I can eat like mommy too. So it was, you know, it's very empowering for my daughter where she goes there and she knows that they know exactly what to feed her and she could choose anything that they offer. You know, there's other parents who mean really well and I'll be like, so it was fruits and vegetables only, right? And she'll be like, oh, I gave her a couple of cookies. She loved them. I'm like, oh, so there was no egg in the cookies? Oh, well, it was only one egg for the whole big batch of cookies. It made like, you know, 36 cookies. It was just one egg. And I'm like, thanks so much for for taking care of her. I'll send her with a snack next time. I really appreciate it. But even, you know, even an, an 18th of an egg, we just don't do that. Um, so, you know, and and that was really, she was really trying hard, that mom. But then she's been to other places also where they'll say, oh, she only ate fruits and vegetables and she'll come home and she'll have like yogurt stains all over her shirt. And I'm like, what'd you eat? She's like, yogurt. She's like, but it, it was vegan yogurt. So Jordan thought it was vegan yogurt. But if the mom wouldn't lie to me, if it was vegan yogurt, right? Um, and it's not that I just want them to have fruits and vegetables. I always send another snack with them also. But so, you know, there's different experiences, but they're able to influence their their friends in some ways, I believe. And it's bringing it's bringing up conversations with those families and just what do you mean your kids are vegan? They don't eat any animal products. How do they do that? And parents are starting to talk more about it. And again, with this food guide coming out, it's going to open up more conversation. More people want to understand how and what to do because not everybody knows what to do necessarily. The food guide even says, and I kind of quote because I'm going off the top of my head, but choose plant-based sources of protein more often. Yeah. Right? That's bold. Yeah. Isn't that bold? bold? Yeah, but I'm. Um, it's not. Don't think that it's perfect either. Not to be a, a Debbie Downer, but if you look at the recipes that they offer to go along with the food guide, um, it, with the exception of dinner, everything is meat or dairy or, or eggs. And like, there's like five out of like 25. There's only like five vegan options. So they're saying to do that, and then they're kind of contradicting themselves. But I think that. So that was, to a, that was to appease the meat and dairy. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think that, yeah. I think that's but the compromise. The, the main thing is that on the cover page, it says eat more plants. Eat more plants. Right? Choose water as your drink. The language has changed drastically because before it was choose milk or juice or water, or it was choose whole grains most of the time. So if it, I have to choose whole grains or choose whole grains most of the time. So if I have to choose or some of the time, if I have to choose it some of the time, well, then I don't have to choose it all the time. Eat small amounts of saturated fat. Great. It's okay to eat saturated fat. But now the language is so much more promotional of a healthy lifestyle. And it's not just talking about the foods that you that you want to eat. Um, you know, it, it's talking about not to eat in front of the television, to cook more often. It's promoting more positive habits is what it's doing. Because it's, I don't think that nutrition is just what's on your plate. I think there's mental nutrition, there's physical nutrition, there's lifestyle nutrition that, you know, are you making this gorgeous meal, but you're pissed about having to make it? Do you feel like, oh, I've got to do everything around this house? And like, what are you infusing the food with? you know, what is the energy around the food? And because 
changing your diet is really changing your belief systems. It's yeah. way more than just a new grocery list. And so what do you think about that? Like, I know it's, um, it's, it's from that formless realm that I referenced earlier that, uh, you know, the energy that we are in as we're preparing our food, I believe it highly influences the nutrition of the food. What do you guys think? For the last five years, you would have heard our children at some point say something like, mom, this is the best. I could really taste the mean ingredient. You could taste the mean ingredient. What, what is it? You remembered the love, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like our, our kids pick up on that. They talk about that. Um, when Adam first started making these like crisper potatoes with Russell, like he'd be like, and the best ingredient is love. Like our, our children, you know, it's not just our daughter, it's our son too. You know, they, they, um, they pick up on that. You, I, I believe that when you're cooking food, that your thoughts and feelings go into it. We had some. We had a helper in the house for a while, where when we did become plant based, and there was no more meat for her to eat at the meals, I believe that she had a little bit of remorse against that. And Adam and I would have stomach aches, but on the weekend yeah. we wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, right. That's um, so interesting. Yeah. Well, not so interesting. I'm not surprised. No, it makes, totally makes sense. Yeah. Not it makes surprised. sense. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes sense. And then like to the reverse, my dad, who's who's a shaman and an intuitive was saying that he was going to rent a space in a butcher shop that has like a butcher shop that has like a cooking course area on the side of it. And he was going to rent that space to do circles. And I'm like, dad, he's like, I know, I know. I'm like, but no, really think about it because there's, there's life and there's spirit and there's feelings. And what kind of emotions are those butchers feeling when they're, when they're, butchering and that's going to come into your spiritual circle, what effect is that going to have on the people? So I really do believe that, you know, if, if you believe that you're affected by other people's, you know, auras and spirits and, and emotions and energy, that energy can be translated into the food that you eat just as easily. Absolutely. I, you know, I always say that once I stopped ingesting the fear and the anxiety of the animals, I felt a palpable change in, in my ability to actually start healing. So, you know, you went into this for performance, for health, for fitness. Where do you guys stand now on the animals? Isn't that interesting that you start with one perspective and as you get deeper and deeper into the lifestyle, the perspective change, it changes. And I was never in it for the animals. I'll tell you that straight up. I was in it for my health, for my family. I was very selfish. I was focused on healing myself and the people directly around me. But the longer I do it, the more I interact with the people involved in this community, the more you learn that it's not just about you and it's about the people and the beings that are living on our planet and about the planet itself. So the animal aspect of it became more prominent and the environmental aspect of it became more prominent and now it's more of a full package and it's less about me and it's more about everybody and everything around me so it's definitely shifted it's very similar to your triathlon story where you started running you started running to meditate while you were taking part in activity you started running to burn off all of those bad thoughts that you were yeah. having and then you were like Hmm, maybe I'm going to go buy myself a $3,000 bike. And then you were like, well, once I'm it biking and swimming, <laughs> it was $1,500. But no, it was, but like, you know, you, it's you, true. It, it, it was a progression. And then, you know, before you know it, it it's a package deal. I, I think that it doesn't matter if you want to be selfish about this. If you want to be selfishly the best person that you could possibly be. And a result of that is loving and being kind to animals and teaching others to do the same then it's no longer selfish. Right. And now it's that's what it's yeah. moved into for me. And it yeah. becomes your way of life. It allows for, you know, what what we mm -hmm. would consider to be just a, a high vibe lifestyle. And I think uh, as we work more with people and I think you guys may see this too, you ask them the question of why, you know, why are you eating that and they have no clue why they're eating it. They're just eating it because they've always eaten that way. So I think what we're doing here the the, the plant-based movement is is almost a fast track to presence because you're always thinking about 
the higher purpose. So we have been getting a lot of rain here. So the first thing we do when we walk out our door is to see if the snails are on the ground. Like they move, they literally move slow. Like they, they couldn't be any slower. I know. You said, the, you go, they really need to move faster. <laughs> they say, need to pick it up. snails. Like that's, that's their DNA. But that's the higher, like I'm watching where I'm going. There's a movie though, a movie where the snails race. Oh really? Anyway. Yeah. It's a cartoon one. Oh, okay. I'll send you I can't, I can't one. believe we haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. I'd be out on runs and there'd be snails on the sidewalk and I'm like, get out of my way guys. You got to move quicker. And they're just Pick all over. Up. And I don't, but I'm tiptoeing around them as I'm running so yeah. that I don't crunch them. Oh, right. God. And, and it's back just in the, the worst. day, oh. let's be honest, back in the day, I would have just run. And Dude, I would have paid attention. The, back in the day, there was a can of Raid underneath my sink. I used to take daddy long legs and pull their legs off oh. and watch them move after. Oh this is God. this is this was my childhood. I can't I I have so much remorse. I can't believe I just said that on this. Yeah, but now show. now we see That's a spider okay. in yeah. our house and we're like, okay, we just let have it go. fun. Hey, Spidey. You know, have like fun. whatever. Yeah. You coexist. I can yeah. still yeah. remember the crunch under my foot of like killing a beetle. I mean, yeah. we've all done and, and and when I say that, like you you might be experiencing right now, Shush, like I have like a pain in my heart and I know that that memory is coming up for me to transmute that back to love. Yeah. And I know BJ, you've done some things. The, the beat. Yeah. I've done some, I've done some things, uh, frogs <laughs> and rabbits. Yes. Um, oh, I know but lately it's been the bees. I think like we these, talked about that on the, we on did. our forgiveness. They're, big, they're bigger than a, than a fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> but the bees, like seeing a bee land on me on, on a bike ride and just letting it, I'm just watching it and it stings me and I'm just letting it. Cause I, I think they die after they sting you, but it was just like, it doesn't, I don't need to flick it off. Like this is, this is the higher purpose. Like this is supposed to happen. It's stinging me. Okay. And then it fell off and it just went wherever it went. And I, it was like my, I almost feel like it's my responsibility to just feel that, like, just feel it. It's going to be a little bit painful for a while, but in the past I'd be like flipping out and like trying to swash the bees away. But, but I may have done something. This is the whole thing about presence. Like I may have done something and maybe it's just about becoming more aware on the road of cycling. Like you need to be more wake up and, and see what's coming. You know, after five hours on the bike, you get stung. It's like, whoa, like, don't don't zone out this is a sign yeah so, that's like your wake up yeah I it's think like a wake-up call a lot and it that's free what it, acupuncture yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i love it yes. dry needling <laughs> the high vibe way but yeah i mean it's i i just uh i don't ever i don't ever want to harm another being ever again i've harmed people i mean physically like i've like when Verbally. i was a kid when i was a kid i used to like get into fights like like I got into the a concert. fight with the girl down the street. I was like, I'm going to wail on you. The Pearl Jam concert that we talked about. Yes, yeah. I did in, into my 20s. Apparently I uh, took some people on at concerts. I've been in three fights. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Of course, you're martial arts. You've I've got the been skills. in fights. Well, and oh, I just, before that. I don't want to yeah. harm another person or bee or snail or mama cow or baby calf ever again. And I... I'm so grateful that I have woken up to um, allow all the pain of what I've done in the past to clear so that I'm now aligned with this. And it's, it's just, it's so beautiful. So I, I think that encompasses so much of what Adam and I are trying to do with plant trainers, with all the content that we put out with the podcast, with the people who we work with. We want so badly to save people and other beings from ever going through what we went through. Don't wait until you're at 300 or 400 pounds. Don't wait until you find out that you have a tumor or cancer or heart disease or in the hospital. Make that change now so that you never have to hurt yourself because it's not just yourself. Like what you saw is you saw Adam with heart disease and a tumor, but how did that affect me? And how does that affect my children on the days where I'm not my very best self, although I am my very best self every day, not, not, not as good as it was the day before? Or how did that affect his parents and my parents and our extended family? We're hurting people. You know, we don't want to hurt the animals, but we're hurting people by our lifestyle choices that we can take hold of now and make that change now before we have to go through all of this pain 
we want to inflict as little pain as possible to all beings. And I think being proactive in our health, um, both mental and physical, is one of the best ways to do that. And we have control. We have control over what we put in our mouth. And that's so powerful and has such a huge effect on ourselves and everyone around us. So control what you can control. And if you don't know how to take control of it, there are people like you guys, like us, and there's so many others out there that are willing to help and hold hands and guide in the right direction. Yeah. And, and so how you guys work with people one-on-one. And so what is kind of your your expertise, the two of you, like who, what kind of um, client would, would come in and work with you? So I tend to work with women and sometimes men who want to have a little bit more help planning and getting their head around what it is that they need to eat. But lately, because of the way that I talk about my mental health, a lot of my clients are coming to me with mental health um, issues as well and having really great results there too. And fit and, you know, I encompass the whole body. So fitness and who we spend our time with and our mind and all of that, um, you know, uh, hobbies. So I, I tend to work with people on that very basic fitness level, um, but with a, a deeper concentration on on food and mental health. I think that the people that I work with generally are, it's a wide range. There's people that are brand new to endurance sports, and I work with a lot of beginners, a lot of younger people. Because I work in a high school, I end up getting some high school students, some university students that I work with but they're not all plant-based. They don't eat well. And just because they're not plant-based doesn't mean they're not eating well. Remember how we started, but we meet them where they are and help them transition into a healthier lifestyle and just try to help them get onto a better path than where they're at currently. And we've seen a lot of success come from the people that we've been working with. And it's very rewarding to be able to share our knowledge and experiences and watch people transform their lives into the better people that they become. Yeah, I, as, as I like to say, um, the people they were always meant to be and the ones that they already are inside. Yeah. Just letting that all peel off so the greatness can come out. So how can people get a hold of you guys? Well, at our website at planttrainers.com. You have a link to the Plant Trainers podcast. There's all of our social media there as well and blogs and recipes. We're very, very excited with all of the amazing conversations we have going on at Plant Trainers on Instagram right now. Um, Lots of content out there, but we're really interacting. It's us interacting with with everybody as well. So that's a lot of fun for us too. Have you had any any events coming up? I know you guys sometimes... Nothing on the schedule right now. There's a few that we're entertaining, but we're trying to work through those schedules still. So right now we're doing everything, a lot on Instagram and on on Skype with clients and email, phone calls. We're always taking phone calls, even at no charge, just to talk to people and see where we can help them. Yeah. Uh, so Adam, I know you're, um, you've done a, you've got a couple Ironmans under your belt and some ultra running under your belt and marathons under your belt. Is there anything coming up for you? Yeah, I get this question all the time and (laughs) I, it's, it's what I, what I've been doing is I'm training for life right now. I don't have one specific goal in mind right now, but my training is ongoing and I'm feeling good and healthy and still getting active and, that's what I tell people. I'm training for life. Uh, when when the time comes that a race pops up and it's time to do it, I'll know, and I'll sign up and get it done. But you you right. you'll be prepared. Like you're not you're not di- dipping. It's not like the goal is what's keeping you. It's not the race is not keeping you healthy. B- being right. healthy is keeping you healthy. It's a lifestyle. Right. That's the thing. Exactly. It's a lifestyle. What do you use to to fuel yourself? You know, obviously we got a lot of athletes that listen to this that are curious about nutrition. We get a lot of questions about it, so we're curious about what you use to fuel your training. I drink a lot of water and I eat a lot of sweet potatoes and I use some avocado that I squeeze into a bag as mashed up avocado and just suck it when I'm on the bike out of the Ziploc. Uh, but I use real food. That's that's my thing. I just 
I try to find a food and test it when I practice and, and when I train. And if I go into a race, that's what I use. So I'm all about using real food. Yeah, I've been doing that more and more. The other day I took a can of chickpeas and I roasted them up with some uh, salt and some turmeric. And I used those out on the trail and it was just, it was amazing. Like it was just, so, it was so good. And I had, uh, from the vegancorner.com, I found this recipe for banana bites. It's like four ingredients, bananas, oat, cinnamon, and vegan chocolate chips, of course. And been using those on the trail. I mean, it's just, oh, I, I, my body responds well to whole foods. And I think BJ says this all the time. But I think your body's ability to really absorb and have good nutrition fueling has so much to do with the foundation of what your daily diet is. Yeah. 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 I mean, I use dates too. It depends on what I'm training yeah, for, dates what are I'm great. doing. Dates right out of the, you know, just don't eat the seed. Yeah. Or put <laughs> the know, seed in the blender. Yeah. Oh, that's been done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're not cacao nibs. Yeah, no, they don't. But even filling your, your dates with nut butter and just going out, it, it's delicious. Like it tastes great, gives you that burst of energy when you need it. And it's it's fun, those little things. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for having us on the show. And this conversation, it was, it was awesome. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs>